Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Tennis and Bagels podcast. Today I'm here with a uh, first time guest on the show. Um, he's a very big fan of uh, the WTA tour. He tweets quite a bit about it. It's a lot of information in his account, which we're going to um, drop um, in the link in the description at the end of the episode. And his name, if you haven't figured it out yet, is uh, Juan Ignacio. He is here and we're just going to be chatting very much exclusively about the WTA today. So, how are you doing, uh, Juan? Hi, Andre. Thanks for the invitation. Really excited about this opportunity. So, looking forward for our conversation today. Great. Uh, so, I guess I'm just gonna uh, ask you just one starter. Like, why do you do you prefer the WTA tour over the ATP? Uh, I value them equally, but I am more a consumer. Well. WTA tennis, although that that through through my time as a tennis fan has uh, changed over years. I started most as a follower of the ATB, but in the last years, I started to appreciate more women's tennis as well. Nice. And uh, why do you why do you think that is? Like, is there any reason specifically? Is it the strategy or? Just the players, it just I know it's a very competitive field, whereas the men's can kind of get boring in terms of like who's going to win the next big thing. So, yeah. well, first of all, I I do think it's it's more open, and even though most most people would tell you that's just inconsistency or being uh, worse players, well, I completely I completely disagree with that. But also, I think it's more. It's a more diverse tour in terms of uh, personalities and playing styles, specifically, especially the former, the the, the diversity in, in styles of play. Uh, it's really captivating for me. In ATB, we're seeing the supremacy of big serves. It's annoying when going to the extreme. So. Especially in this part of the season in grass, so I think it's the the WTA has a lot of different narratives and stories that don't go well covered by media. Oh, so yeah. I try to make up for that a bit. Yeah, and you do a great work, by the way, with that. It's probably one of the best accounts to follow on uh, regarding WTA on Twitter. So yeah, this is uh, just. Thanks. <laughs> Do you have a, a reminder? I'm, I'm yeah. just a fan. I'm no journalist. I'm no. I'm 
I'm just a fan that yeah. likes to do this. That's fine. I honestly, this is a fan podcast as well. Um, I do happen to Perfect. work at a Tennis Canada, but I'm not a journalist. So um, okay. yeah, not all of us are just like just consuming all the information that is publicly available to everybody. So yeah, this is just just really just really cool though. Like that dedication of fans just to be showing around, um, even in like accounts like fan accounts like yours. And yeah, it's like a bit of a reminder for everybody on Twitter that we're not journalists so yeah you can stop that it's comment just <laughs> chatting chatting with your friends about sport you like exactly it's just chat uh, friendly chatter um do you have a uh, favorite right now a favorite player well i think it's pretty obvious that i really like ikash fiantic nice <laughs> um well a bunch a bunch of more more lower ranked mm. to be honest but yeah Nice. Um, and speaking of Igor Swiatek, um, because I guess um, even though it's the grass season now, we can jump back a little bit um, to um, Roland Garros and like whatever she did um, in there. Did you did you get to watch a lot of the tournament? Of uh, the the although I was although I was in the middle of my midterms okay. in my career. Yes, I I still make time. For that and I I love the tournament. It had so many narratives in in both both draws. It was one of the one of the best the Grand Slam tournaments in in recent years, in my opinion. It was, it was super uh, entertaining to follow. Yeah, I do. I I tend to agree. I would say even like the um, the women's tournament was far better than the men's this one time around. Um, just because of. Just the sheer tennis quality itself. Like I feel like the semifinals that we've got were really good, and the final was obviously like a bit of a surprise final. But Mukova did such a great job, um, and you, you know it was just competitive to the end. So, yeah, what do you what do you what are your thoughts on that on those last leg of the tournament, really, and the finalists? Well, you know. yeah, the the last three matches in. In the semis and final were probably one of the best um, later rounds of a slam in in recent years. Uh, all three matches were incredible. The the comeback that Mukova makes in the semis against Tamalinka, saving a match point uh, and reaching her first big final because she she hadn't even made a, a final in a WTA 1000 before, but finally living up to to the hype, to the, the talks that always have been around her. And also we had the um, the fight for the number one spot that it was deciding, decided until the last thurs- Thursday, practically. So that was also a, a storyline that was really entertaining to follow throughout the two weeks. We had also Haddad Maya, incredible making story for Brazil, reaching her first Grand Slam second week quarterfinals and semifinal. Yeah. So Yeah, it's a I was, was there was a lot going on. Exactly. As especially as a as a Brazilian, like just seeing how she competed against Sviantec and that that match was was really inspiring, I think was just just really good. And honestly like the first time since Gustavo Kirtan that somebody did something that impressive, I guess, on a in a grand at Grand Are Slam level. And obviously in you, singles, you can see the yeah, yeah. yes, yes, in singles because you obviously you can see the, the yeah. 
the effect that that they have run had in Brazil because you you go check any uh, social media account from any journalist or or tournament or anything and there's immediately like thousands of replies from Brazilians yes. cheering for Bia. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. It's really funny. Like whenever there's a Brazilian doing something, the Brazilians just flood the commentaries. Like it's it's just really kind of a hilarious thing to do. Like it's 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 a given every time. If you're a Brazilian, in, you you know, or even if you just had any sort of interactions, you know that as soon as somebody speaks about Brazil, it's going to show up in the comments. No no doubt. So it's just always really fun to see. Um, that just the love of the beer has gotten, um, and in terms of, uh, I guess tennis, like what do you? Because Shiontech has struggled a little bit this year in terms of obviously after twenty twenty two, it was very unlikely that she was going to reproduce the amount of success that she had. She's still number one, and she's still won the Grand Slam, um, the her fourth one, third at RG. So, but why do you think that? Um, I mean, we can talk about like how Sabalenka has become better, and also Rybakina, and they have been able to explore a little bit more of like the the forehand, and then rush Fiantek a little bit more. But do you think that um, do you think that we sort of have like this little big three going on, or you think that Fiantek is still pretty much in the lead in terms of how much better she is? I don't what? really like like. Uh extrapolating this narrative yeah. from the ATP to the WTA we're already years far behind to be able to call any group of players yeah. anything remotely close to a big three mm-hmm. but of course that they've been all, all three of them have been far above the rest of the tour um, reaching the later stages finals titles of basically every big tournament this year Pretty sure they've been in the final of everyone actually. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously that for what have for what these six months have been so far. Yeah, you can make the point that we have a big three, mm-hmm. but still, let's see how this uh, develops into the next seasons. Because yeah. as we saw, Iga had a great 2022. Sabalenka was struggling, but still there in the top ten. Rybakina was making her uh, her best her first big moves Indeed. and now they took the next the next step so let's see what next year's bring and then we can see if this gets consolidated at the top yeah but of course it's this is really really great for for the tour mm-hmm. yeah and um yes because um Shiatek has a a very like um even like Nadal like style of game. Obviously, again, don't want to draw too many comparisons because she's her own player, even. But she herself admitted to you know mirror some of the the way that she plays um, over Nadal's. So um, having somebody like Mukova who had the style that she was playing like so much slicing and just like the the, the bigger serve and just coming to the net a lot like. How do you? How did you? Did you find a contrast like in, in that final? I thought I thought it was just like really fun to watch, and I think he really forced Shiantek to find different solutions um, because so far she had been playing. She had been playing a lot of um, players who were big hitters and just like big servers, and 
you know, the baseline game has been established like really strong in the WTA. So I feel like for her to face somebody like that, I think it was probably like the best win of her for her this year in terms of like um, uh, maybe confidence and value in that regard. And obviously it was a final, but um, so what did you, what did you make of that? Let's say it was one of her most memorable wins ever <laughs> because of the struggle it represents at the end being twice a breakdown in the third break point down while serving for all um, but as you say it was yeah. a really, really interesting how to follow uh, the contrast of, of styles how in the star move who was really trying to mix up things with a lot of drop shots uh, coming forward to the net uh, annoying with the with the slices uh, mixing up the pace yeah. and while while Iga was uh, standing in the baseline uh, making angles uh, hitting stronger to the lines mm-hmm. so it was really entertaining to see to see that contrast and going for almost three hours yeah I think that a lot of that match came came down to experience like honestly in terms of like how Shriantek is just has been there before like I don't know like I feel like because Mukova was able to beat twice a break up, um, obviously, like Shantek is no, it's not easy job to close. But I mean, I do imagine that um, being in that in that place um, really just was the fuel for Shantek to close it out. Especially because she hasn't really been doing super well in terms of um, best of three, not best of three, but like three match, three set matches this year. She was either winning a lot in two or just losing also in two. So I think it kind of was really good to see that that battle as well. And I think that the experience that she had finally proved um, to to come to fruition in terms of like winning in that tough three setter, as you said. Yeah, what you say about experience and and the nerves with what are best better representation that double faulting on match one. Yeah, so that's like. Um, a really unfortunate end, but kind of showed how the nerves unfortunately got got Carolina in the end. Yeah. But but yeah, it was a remarkable win for first Gantic for for what you say that she hadn't really quite had um, this this like epic comebacks. Yeah. She was either losing to or winning to. Yeah. But this this long hour fights against the players willing to go toe-to-toe with her. We hadn't really seen that and even less in Roland Garros. Yeah. So that's why also the semifinal against uh, Haddad Maya might have helped her a lot in terms to change that switch that maybe not everything is going to go that easy in these courts. And and Mukuba knew how to do that and how well she did. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's actually pretty interesting that you mentioned because like Kadat Maya, she lost the first set pretty convincingly, like six two, I think. So did, there was a big comeback in the she had set point. I think that it, it definitely showed, like definitely like a lot of the fighting spirit that wasn't necessarily missing in Chviantek, but he was sort of like sleeping a little bit just because of the fact that. She was either winning really, really handily or being 
kind of handily being beaten like when she lost to Rabakin, I think in Indian Wells, it was it was it was a very awkward match to watch because it definitely didn't didn't look obviously she came up with like the injury afterwards, so that is like a little bit of a a silver lining in this one, but like um not silver lining but you know, some context to be made, but at the same time it's like it, it's definitely part of her progress as a player to start getting a lot of those tough matches and, and winning them and getting out of them. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that... I was really surprised. Yeah. I was really surprised about um, her denying the second set because, honestly, about uh, knowing what she had done the day before yeah. against Sorribes, Tormo, I was expecting her after losing the set, the first set so comfortably mm-hmm. uh, to basically go off the court in 20 minutes and done. But she, well, she she took it to a tie break, had a set point, that volley at 5-3, yeah. probably she won't forget it ever. Um, but yeah, in the end, you uh, you see how how Shriantek was was able to to get that that gear up mm-hmm. when it most matter. Yeah, both in the semifinals and the final, yeah. which was something the that we we hadn't really quite seen since last year yeah true yeah and I guess it, it kind of worked the other way around in the other semi-final where like Sabalinka had a big implosion in that sense and like Mukova just kind of rose to the occasion I think it was like a 5-1 lead that Sabalinka had in the third set it was a 5-2 match point yeah 5-2 match point yeah well so, yeah that, that was crazy like I mean in a sense I think it, it even though yes, it was uh, on clay, which is Yashantek's best surface, and uh, Sablenka has won her first Grand Slam on hard, and uh, she has been showing you know just better um, prowess on the faster surfaces. Even though she has been, she has made the the, the final in Stuttgart, I think like for three consecutive years. Three times. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's no. Um, stranger to clay she plays well there she knows she, she can win but it's interesting to see that like I mean I guess if you look in that moment kind of makes it clear at least like in terms of for now like Shantek still has a bit of an edge over uh, Sabalenka over as a and in terms of number one not necessarily in terms of the rivalry I think it's kind of a pretty um, balanced but I guess in terms of the whole tour I think that Shantek kind of can't prove in that in, in that regard, and obviously, like Mukova did a fantastic job coming back. But yeah, what do you? But yeah, it, it would have been really interesting to see them yeah. play again on the clay because we had seen them face each other in the final of both Stuttgart and Madrid mm-hmm. with one win for each other. So yeah, both playing for both the title and the number was spot would have been an amazing story but yeah Mufuwa some, had something to say about it and remarkable how how she turned things around from a four game three game deficit match point down um, so yeah all props to her yeah. of course it has been a problem in these later stages in, in the semi-finals of, of Grand Slams she had her, her breakthrough at the Australian Open so of course she still knows that she can do it so that's the good part for her yeah. and now that 
we're gonna go to to analyze the grass. Yeah. Well, now it's of course when where her biggest chance is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. As I as as really my next point as well. Like it, as we transition to grass, um, there's just so many questions though because there isn't really a single player that has established themselves as um as the big the big favorite on grass. There is a few who have um, done have had good results. Um, we know that Sabalenka has reached the semifinals. Um, Irabakina has won last year, and Jabar also reached the final. But um, even that's I think there's like a both tours uh, is going on in the sense where no one um, younger player like this generation player has really stepped up to be the the one who is always the favorite to to win or just um, the one that you're always looking at and seeing this guy is the one that I think is going to make it. Even though I personally would say that is Rybakina, I don't really think I give her that much of an edge like over the field. Um, though I do feel like Shiatai kind of drops to maybe a third favorite, fourth even. Yeah, well, the last years have been really, really weird with the grass because yeah, you, in 2020 we didn't, we straight up didn't have any tournaments on the surface. Yeah. In 2021, Roland Garros chose to put back the tournament one week, so we had only two weeks in grass. Yep. And last year, with with the the ban of Russians and Belarusians, um, we also lost all of them at the uh, at Wimbledon. So Here. it's four years already since we don't have a normal like a proper grass. Progress. Yeah, exactly. So. Still, I think there's a lot of players on the WT that do feel really comfortable on it. Yeah. Uh, just checking quickly the rankings, there's Sabalenka, of course, Rybakina, uh, Mukova, that has made. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Multiple quarterfinals yep. in Grand Slam, Kivitova, Goff also, Ostapenko, Kudermetova, hmm. Javer, Garcia. So there there are a lot of players that know how to play on the surface. Now the question is, are they going to be able to um, take that level yeah. throughout two entire weeks? Yeah. yeah. And there's always the question a little bit, like in terms of, of that, like in few question marks as well. I think you, you really hit the nail on the head there. Like that grass season already shortened as it is. Like it just three weeks and then Wimbledon and it's pretty much over. Um, all these players, those new new people, 
especially on the WTA, which has seen just like a remarkable changing of of the guard of changing of the generations, like Serena Williams retiring and then Ash Barty was was up there and like she played really well um to win it. Um but yeah, like it's I think the reason exactly why no players really stand out is really just because of that, right? Because there isn't there isn't there isn't a lot of data to work on in terms of like players uh, <laughs> play on Wimbledon in a proper situation with all the players who are good playing there. Like obviously Sabalenka wasn't able to play Wimbledon last year, so this year is definitely going to be our first time almost ever seeing this new crop of good players, this new top 10 actually coming yep. into Wimbledon. Okay, now we're going to be able to see who's 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 the one who's bringing it to the next level. I think that's, you really brought the nail on the head here. Like, I feel like this Wimbledon is just going to be our data collecting season for, like, who is going to be doing well uh, for the next couple of years. Yeah, that, that, that's a great, that's a way, way to, to face it. Yeah. So, there's a lot of players that I wouldn't be surprised if you tell me that they end up winning it, but it's tough to choose yeah. which one it could be. Uh, just to put one example, Kivitova that has only won six times six um, titles of grass, won last week um, in Berlin, last year won um, Eastbourne yeah. that. It's a two-time champion. But did you remember that in the last seven editions of Wimbledon, only one time managed to make the second week? Yeah. And that's like the the kind of questions that you make about these, these players. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to go that step forward yeah. this year? Yeah. I would personally, personally, it's just out of a matter of taste. I would really love Jabbar to take a, a Grand Slam title. I think she... She has been playing so well, like over the past past couple of years. It was really brutal for her to lose last year against Rabakina. Got to another final in the U.S. Open, lost again to Sviantek. Uh, so I feel like, personally, I would really like to see Jabbar like lift the Grand Slam title. I think it would be really deserved. So I would, I would really be happy about this. Uh, but yeah, I feel like it's interesting to see like what's going to happen. Um, I, my guess if obviously no draws have come out yet, so this is. A shot in the dark, essentially, but I would I wouldn't be surprised if Rabakina wins it again this year. I think she is one of the biggest players right now on fast courts. So you know, with Grishers, it's tough to call because yeah, it's been struggle with with this viral in- True. illness True. since since Roland Garros had to pull out of his bond this week, yeah. um, and and in Berlin. Uh, lost in the second round to to baggage. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, of course, if if he's if she's in in form, of course she's a top two candidate with Sabalenka. I think that's yeah undeniable. Yeah, true. So a lot a lot goes if in in sense of is he going to be healthy enough yeah, yeah. to to compete in this tournament? But but yes, she's. She's a top two candidate here. Yeah. That then goes Sabalenka that also lost early in Berlin, lost to Kudermetova. Mm-hmm. Um, True. And with you also from 
from Eastbourne this week, so she's mm. she's you know, she's chills. Gonna only have played two matches on grass. Yeah. Before before Wimbledon. And yeah. I consider that last year's didn't play also played only a batch of of warm ups. Yeah. So she she hasn't also um, just had the opportunity really, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we see um the the first week for both of them will be really important if they can win those first three matches uh in an easy quick way uh, and enter the second week with the confidence and, and rhythm yeah. and rhythm with their game. But well I, I can call it at the moment, but yeah, no, yes, of sure. course they are they are the, the two main favorites. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And what do you think is the key for Sviantec to play well at Wimbledon? Like, what do you think, or, or really on grass in general? Like, do you think that there's something in her game, maybe her serve or net game? I'd say main point it's basically confidence. Okay. Of course, their grass um, makes uh, some of her best technical assets to not be as useful on grass yeah. like uh, her forehand on defense becomes a liability because she has uh, less time to yeah to to hit her shot with with her with her western grip yeah and she can slide on the backhand to defend mm. uh, her serve is not as dominant as the one from from these other from these other players but we we we've seen that she can actually play on the surface. If she makes some technical adjustments, is now playing in in Germany a yeah. at two fifty tournament, uh, in... won already her first round. And there was there were a lot of of good signs there. That, mm. uh, with her coach, she's been working on it. Uh, he's trying to implement more, more slices. Yeah, uh, coming more often to the net. Great in passing shots. Uh, her serve really work, work uh, really well. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she's uh, she's upset prone in the in the first week of Wimbledon. If someone on fire and bashing the ball, yeah, uh, yeah. like just on red lining, just hitting the lines, and everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but. I don't think it's ridiculous to think she can absolutely make the fourth round. Oh yeah, and maybe go one step forward and, and reach the quarterfinals. We would, which would be, in my opinion, the quarterfinals already a success for tournament. Yeah, to be fair, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think that if she makes a quarterfinal, it's obviously the confidence boost and coming into the quarterfinal, even with nothing to lose, really, um, having just one rolling arrows. I think she's guaranteed to be number one for a minute still. Like she's not going to drop it anytime soon. But I can't. I could be wrong. Because no, could she drop a number one after Wimbledon? Yeah, you can check it on on my account. I have it posted. But yes, about Savalinka can can become number one in Wimbledon. But she needs to reach at least the final. Oh right, and and then depends on how Shvantek does. Yeah, of course, but. So Valenka can become number one after Could she become number one if Shiantek reaches the quarterfinals? 
Yeah, don't have to let me check it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, a great point for the listeners. Go check his account and see the, the scenarios where number one post Wimbledon. But yeah, like in, in that regard, I feel like, yeah, it's, well, there's something to lose for her now, as, even as the quarterfinal. But I think reaching the quarterfinals, um, I do think that it's a little bit of, as you said, like it's a success where I think there's is an opportunity for her to just play with a lot less pressure than she would have normally than she did in Roland Garros. She played with so much pressure there. So um, I think it, and you, it could be a really good chance for her to reach even the semis, honestly. Like, I think it's a big step, but I would say, I would agree as well that the quarterfinal is definitely, um, should be at least, like, one a big goal for her, like, at least uh, this time around in Wimbledon. So, yeah, let's see how she does that. I think she has been using even this slice on the back end specifically a little bit more, not quite as made, as much as um, I think, as you said, you would have been more useful for her, but I think it's been it's been coming. Like, I think there's something that she might have been trying to work in her game before the grass season even so that she wouldn't get here and just add something in her game within three weeks of, like, playing the third major of the year. So, yeah. It's, it's of course, as you say, a way more different situation that than Roland Garros because there it was the pressure of defending Amsterdam for the first time. Yep. She hadn't won a big title until then this season. Um so there was there were a lot of things going on in her mind. And now I don't think she's worrying out she's worried yep. about the number one ranking yeah. in Wimbledon at all. <laughs> uh, if if she loses if she happens to lose to lose it, well, it'll she'll work to to get it back. Back, uh, her goal it's just to gain experience yeah. uh, and polish her her game on it on the grass. Yeah, and um, how do you see what do you see Mukova doing in this tournament? She's now going to be seated. Uh, it's been a while that she um, was having just top draws because of being seated and she tough, uh, got, um, Maria Sakari twice <laughs> in a row at Roland Garros in the first round, which is, even though she's won both times, it's not necessarily the draw you want to have, but, uh, um, it's, what do you, how do you, do you see her making, making it big again? Like now that she has a Grand Slam final under her belt, she stays healthy. Of course, it's been a, an issue for her in the past few years, so. If I remember correctly, she she made the the quarterfinals both in 2019 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a place she she knows uh, how to where to to perform well. Mm, now she hasn't played since since the longer final. Yeah, she hasn't played any matches on grass yet. So we'll have to see how she adjusts in in those first days of the tournament mm-hmm. but she definitely has a shot to go to reach the the semifinals the semi yeah. yeah um yeah i think she's she's perfectly capable of doing that now she's she's gonna be seated mm-hmm. oh. check she's gonna be seated 16 yeah in Wimbledon, yeah. So, imagine a fourth round match against Sabalenka or Rybakina. That's totally possible. Yeah, imagine that. So it's not worrying at all. Yeah. So, the draw will have a, will have something to say 
uh, about her path, but I do think she's absolutely capable of reaching the semifinals, re final here again. Yeah. I know you don't want to. You don't want to say like you don't want to look too far into the future. But do you do you think you have somebody that you you would say for now you you would think is is the favorite to go all the way? Are you would you would you rather? Are you just really not not sure at all right now? No, if I have to go with somebody, I'll I'll choose somebody yes. for both her. Her experience, she's already made the semis, has, she's had an amazing year. Um, we'll see if she if the, the that semi-final loss in Roland Garros and this early exit in, in Berlin affects her going going into into Wimbledon, but I don't think so personally. Mm-hmm. I think she'll bounce back from that and learn the her lesson from that and she had her breakthrough her break, but sorry she had her Grand Slam breakthrough mm. um, yeah. two years ago here remember when people said that she would she could never reach the fourth round the quarterfinals yeah. she she was not getting the slam results people were expecting from her and then that that Wimbledon happened and she reached the semis yeah. was, was one set away from the final so with all that information and knowing that Rebagina mm-hmm. is battling with, the, with some this illness, yeah. illness mm-hmm. uh, I'll I pick Sabalenka as yeah. the number one favorite. Once when the draw comes out, we're we're gonna ask your opinion on Twitter, and when I record the episode, I'm just gonna say it all out. What does what does Juan Ignacio say, says about <laughs> who is the favorite with the draw finally laid out in front of our eyes? Because that's definitely, as you said, it's gonna. It can dictate a lot of like what what can be uh, in like holding a player back from being the favorite or not. But yeah, and I think that just to finalize, like a final thought that I had is to, because you mentioned in the beginning that like a lot of um, the the ATP and the men's tour has been heavily dominated by serve plus one, essentially like a, a big for, big serve, b- big forehand. And just you even think of like Alcaraz who. Even though he's like a really great mover, he still really does excel on a plus one shot. Like has a big serve and a big forehand. So, um, and you said like specifically on grass, uh, this is a type of play that um, is it's very favorable. Uh, normally, it doesn't really get a player into like the final or even winning, um, but mostly because of big three gatekeeping. Um, but on the WTA side, like on the women's, what's what do you think is really the key to playing playing well on grass? Um, given that those uh, advantages are a little bit more subdued, um, especially now that Serena Williams has retired. Well, it's it's a it's a weird we have a weird um, sample of winners and finalists in the recent years. This there's no like one archetype mm. of player. If you if you look back. Uh, you have already back another one last year, uh, one one off if not if not the best serve on tour right now. Yeah, um, Jabber, it's nothing like that. She uh, she has more 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 variety. She's like a, a junk junk bowler almost. Um, in twenty nineteen, 
Simona Halep one. Yeah, you can say her serve, her serve plus one is her is her uh, her best uh, combo. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Serena, um, Kerber, yeah, uh, Muguruza. So there's really a, a big contrast of of styles on WTA on on how to perform well on the surface. Yeah, there's no like one recipe. Um, so that that also is something that makes the surface in its own way attractive for me to watch. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really looking forward. Like if if anything, given everything that's been happening ATP WTA wise, the ATP has definitely become a really great spot to you know just look forward and just get excited. Not that the ATP isn't, but it's just in in a very much different way. Uh, the ATP, we've been looking a lot at Djokovic and whether he's going to be breaking more records or not. And the WTA is really just, I feel like it's its really just raw enjoyment of tennis, like at the moment. Like, and obviously, like, there's great players in the making. So I think this is a really great appeal of, of um, what's the future going to look like. And we are seeing like shades of like, what's it going to be in the future? So yeah, like, it's, it's definitely interesting to, to notice. The really great observation, actually, like that, uh, Wimbledon champions have been essentially just hard to predict, due to just really yeah. the lack of a of a single specific strategy or, or archetype, really, okay. as you put it, like to 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 really make it there. So, yeah, that's a that's really but, interesting. But as you as you were mentioning before, sure. that um, that's also the it is also the the um, attractiveness that. This tournament is gonna have that. Um, it's basically a completely new generation yeah. of players that are going to, for the first time, have their their spotlight in. in mm-hmm. Now the the generation of of the eighties, almost nineties, the start of the nineties. They're they're not gone, but they're not the ones dominating now. Yeah, we we've already been past that stage on tour, so. There's a lot of new storylines, coming players uh, pushing to to get their place at the top of the of the women's game. So that's that's also something that that brings appeal to me. Mm, yeah. All right. So uh, great talk. I'm really excited to have you over again for more talks. Uh, we'll we'll see like when uh, maybe when Wimbledon is over we can do like a full uh, review of it again if you're interested but we'll see um so can you just uh share uh with the listeners like what's your what's your twitter handle so that they can go and follow it's Juan Ignacio um how do you say it in English I, I don't know it's like the line oh yeah it's uh underscore I think yeah well Juan Ignacio underscore AC that's how you're gonna find it. Nice. So yeah, it's gonna be in the description of this episode. So if you can go in this, click that uh, the link in there. You can you're gonna find him, uh, and you can check again the scenarios for Wimbledon that he's made, um, and a lot more other like uh, WTA content that he just makes for free because as a dedicated fan to the game. So yeah, so it, it was a really a great talk. Uh, you can also follow Tennis Bagels at Tennis Bagels. Um, Varnish at Varnish BTK and Tennis Nation. Well, Owen at Tennis Nation and myself as Wollenberg Andre. 
And yeah, thanks again, Juan. Um, we'll be sure to have you over again. And uh, maybe it's going to be a bigger conversation with the other guys on it. So yeah, thanks very much. Well, thanks a lot for, for the invitation. Finally, it worked out. Yes, for sure. All right. Thanks so much. See you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.